But I am the second son that will heed to the call, that has heeded to the call, and I understand the destiny that God has given unto me to speak to the nations, to declare what thus saith the Lord. Hello everyone, welcome to Kingdom Rock Radio. You are moments away from receiving God's rich word. But first, remember that you can subscribe to our Roku channel as well as our podcast. And don't forget, for more information, you can always contact us at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's word. Well, as you know, we're, we've been in a series for the past few weeks uh, entitled, Where is Adam? Where is Adam? And we are endeavoring in this series to bring back the honor to manhood, to bring back the honor to the man. Uh, to define what a man is, the role of a man, the role of a father, and really just bringing that back into our society today because, as we said before, our society is riddled with father-absent homes. And uh, it has been a problem. It's an epidemic, not only in our community, but also worldwide. Fathers are absent. Men are absent. And because of that, society is in our families are are really um, paying the price for it. So I want to welcome all of you again uh, to part three of the series, Where is Adam? And so I want to welcome all of you here and also welcome our online community. Kingdom Rock, let's welcome our online community. Wherever you are all around the world, we thank you for watching us. We thank you for being a part of this service as we are here today. You are part of this service. And don't forget, if you're in the area, stop on by and see us. Amen. All right. Well, our journey today starts uh, here at book, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 13 and verse 22, as we'll be speaking from the subject today of a good man, a good man. We could even say today, we could call it the path or the making of a good man. We could call it that too, the making of a good man. Now it's important again for you to know. It's important for you to know. All right, so Proverbs 13, 22 says this, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So the Bible says again that a good man leaves an inheritance. Now, this is um, gender neutral, so we could say a good person. So not only, a, not only a man, but also a woman as well, or we can say a good person leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But today, because we're in the series, I'm going to specifically uh, talk to the men. So you ladies, of course, can chime in and receive for yourself as well. Amen. So again, a good man leaves an inheritance or a good person leaves an inheritance. That is, you don't consume it all upon yourself. It says leaves an inheritance to his children's children, that is to the grandchildren. When you can leave an inheritance, now this is not just, in, this is not only including money, but the Bible says that a good name is also rather to be chosen than great riches or, or of silver and gold. When you can leave them a good work ethic uh, from to your children and then to their children, leave them a good name, leave them a plan, a strategy. Uh, this will also impact the third generation. You can leave them a blessing and you can leave them uh, a prayer life, an example on how to be a man, how to be a mother how to be a father, how to be a mother, how to be a good big brother. You know, you can leave them something, leave them something and not just consume it in your own lives. Unfortunately, that's their old song that says, you know, Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. But when he died, all he left us was alone. Well, a good man will leave an inheritance. So men, I want you to think about legacy. Think about legacy, leaving something behind, not only just for your children, but leaving something behind for your grandchildren. And really, the only way that you are, only way that you will know whether your parenting was successful is when it gets into the third generation is when you have taught your children and then you see your children teaching their children the same thing, that successful parenting. Are you hearing me? 
Listen to, in one of my favorite scriptures here, listen to, um, let's look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and verse number seven as we talk about Noah. And man, I want you to understand this too and see this powerful example of Noah and what happens with him here. The Bible says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet, rather not seen as yet, moved with fear, preparing an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his house, for the saving of his family. This is what a head of household does. Noah, the, the father told Noah, hey, it's going to rain and I'm going to flood the entire planet. You've got to get ready. You've got to get ready. Judgment is coming. You've got to get ready. You've got to make sure that your family is prepared for the coming judgment. And that's exactly what Noah did. He made sure his family was prepared for the coming judgment, for the bad things that were going to happen in the land. And men, let me tell you again, in heads of households, you must also prepare your family for the evil that's coming in the land. And one way that you can prepare is definitely having daily prayer with them and praying over them, bringing them before the Lord and preparing them for things that are to come. As a matter of fact, teaching them how to pray helps prepare them for things that are to come. Teaching them how to manage their monies, their finances, prepares them for things that are to come. You're going to have to build an ark for the saving of your family. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It's very vital that we do that. You must prepare an ark for your family. Not to prepare an ark for your family is to say that, rather is to leave your family open for destruction. Is destruction in the land? All you have to do is watch the news to find out the answer to that question. It's already here. And you must prepare an ark for your family. Noah got a plan from God. And I tell you, get a plan from God for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren. If you are head of, head of a household, if you are the head of generations, if you are a matriarch of your family, you must prepare an ark for the saving of your family. Destruction is coming on the earth and has already come. And you must prepare. Hallelujah. Now, let's talk about the making of a good man. <clears throat> because a good man, some would say, well, a good man is born. Well, I can see that. But I can also tell you that a good man is also made uh, by the choices that, that, that he made. Uh, that he agrees to, either to the good or to the bad. And so we're going to talk about uh, really the path or the making of a good man. So some would say, well, I didn't have these, because I'm going to show you uh, straight from the word of God. And some would say, well, I didn't grow up under the influence, and, and, and I didn't have that. I didn't know that when I was growing up, when I was, when I was growing up. But let me tell you, you can't change your beginning, but you can change your ending. You can influence the way you'll end. You can walk from where you are now to where you should be. So let the past be the past. You can't change the past. You can't change what has happened, but you can alter your future uh, beginning where you are at the current moment. Hallelujah. So I don't want anyone to look uh, with yourself with, with shame or guilt. No, what we're going to look at is the default setting of man, the making of a good man. And we're going to go from where we are now and move forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. All right. So let's start here in the book of Genesis. Once again, we're going to hang around Genesis quite a bit in this series. Let's look at Genesis, the first chapter. We're going to look at verses 27 through 28 as we talk about uh, a good man or the making of a good man. All right, so let's see. Genesis, the first chapter, verse 27 through 28. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, rather, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, 
Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that that moveth upon the earth. God, now listen, I, I said the word them quite a bit, right? Because God says the word them. He created them, male and female. He blessed them, male and female. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. I said the word them quite a bit, and, or I can say God said the word them quite a bit because he always intended for Adam and Eve to be a team. He always intended for Adam and Eve to be a, a team. And as a matter of fact, Adam cannot fulfill his commission without his Eve. He cannot fulfill his complete commission without Eve. God created Adam and Eve to be victorious. He created Adam and Eve to be conquerors. He commanded Adam and Eve to be rulers. He commanded or he created them both to be victorious in every area of life. And he gave them both the commission. Now, let's look here. I want to show you something here in Genesis 2, verses uh, 7 through 15, verses 7 and 15. Now, it says here, and God and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. All right. Man was the first being, the first human to receive a body. Remember, when God gave the commission to Adam and Eve, they were both in spirit form. All we have to do is just follow the, follow the reading of the text. When God initially spoke to Adam and Eve, they were both spirit. Remember, God said that he created them in his image. Well, that's not a stretch. God is spirit. And so <clears throat> he that is spirit created spirit. And so he spoke the command to the spirit of man while Adam and Eve were both spirit. Adam receives his body first, his earth suit first. And God breathes into his nostrils and basically Adam becomes self-aware. He knows who he is and he knows where he is. And look at verse number 15. Verse 15 says, and the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to do what? To dress it and to keep it. Now here is one observation. Before God brought Eve into Adam's life, Adam had a job. The first thing that God gives the man is a job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The first thing that happens here is that God gives Adam responsibility, he gives him purpose, and he gives him direction. We're talking about a good man, the, the making of a good man. And also in the garden, there was gold, there was silver, there were precious stones. So Adam also had the potential for great wealth. This is all before Eve was brought into his life. Adam had authority he possessed it, and he walked with God in godliness and in holiness for a time. Are you hearing me? So while God, while Eve, I'm sorry, while Adam was waiting on Eve, he was working. While Adam was waiting on his Eve, he was working. And God knew that Adam would need an Eve before Adam did. Let's look at Genesis 2 once again. Let's look down at verse number 18. I want you to notice as we're just reading here, I want you to pick out a few things here. Genesis 2 verse 18 through 22 says this. And the Lord God said, it is not good. It is not good. That means it is not pleasant. It is not agreeable. It is not right. It is not prosperous. That the man should be alone. I will make him and help me. That is one that is suitable for him. I will make him a helpmeet for him and out of the ground. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. 
Now look, now if you notice, God said, I'm going to make him a help meet. And you would think the very next a sentence would be, and God created Eve. But he didn't do that. God knew what he was going to do. The father had a plan and he spoke it. This is what I'm going to do. And then he gives Adam another assignment. The assignment comes first. And then it says in verse 20, uh, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every uh, beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not what? Found. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep uh, to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto man. Now, why didn't God create Eve immediately? God knew that Adam would need Eve, but Adam did not quite know that he would need Eve. And for God to bring an Eve into your life before you are ready is wrong timing. For some reason, when things or individuals are brought into our lives before we know we have need of them, we tend to squander it. But if you know you have a need for it, you hold on to it and you use it for its intended purpose. If someone were to give you a thousand dollars today and you think you look around, well, hey, I have an extra thousand dollars. Great. Well, let me go buy a TV. Hint, hint. Father's Day is coming. <clears throat> let me go buy a TV. Let me go do this. and Let me go do that. But if you had known at the end of the week, your car would need to be repaired and it would cost you one thousand dollars in repairs. If you knew about the need first, you wouldn't squander the $1,000. So God waits until Adam knows the need. The Bible says that he could not find, there was not found. God wasn't looking, Adam was looking. Adam was looking for his helpmeet, one that was suitable for him. What's suitable for me? It's not in the, the giraffe, no. It's not in the gorilla, no. It's show not, it's show not uh, in the elephant. Father, there's nothing here for me. But before Adam could respond, God put him to sleep and pulled a rib out and made a woe man, a man with a womb. And then the father presented her before him while he was working in his purpose and assignment. Are you hearing me? Oh, this is so wonderful. Now, I want you to notice something here that the word help meet in the text is the word azir, azir. And it means uh, one who helps or one who assists and supports in times of hardship and distress, one who gives assistance or aid to. Now, the word azir does not denote inferiority in any sense whatsoever. The woman was never made inferior to the man. In no sense of or imagination, you cannot find that in scripture where the woman was made inferior to the man. Now we understand in many cultures, many third world country, uh, cultures or countries, uh, they deem the woman as inferior to the man. But understand something, that is faulty. That is not God. Women, you are not inferior to any man. Although God did create authority in the garden, he gave man, Adam, the authority, and then he called the woman, he didn't call, now listen, I want to make this thing clear too, God didn't bring Adam a girlfriend, he brought Adam a wife. Because the word azir also means uh, uh, help me, or rather the word woman, the word woman there interprets to wife. He brought Adam a wife because it is the wife that is empowered to help the husband. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Listen to this out of um, Genesis 2.18. I want you to hear this out of the Amplified Bible. I just want you to hear this, how it reads. It says, now to, uh, it says, now the Lord 
God said, it is not good, beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Again, she is not inferior. It will take, in many cases, Eve will be stronger than Adam, especially in the areas of patience. Because it's going to take some patience. It's going to take, in many cases, there will be uh, some wisdom, uh, wisdom and, and understanding that she's going to have to have. She, is, she cannot be a dummy to support the major vision, to support this God vision that the Father has given unto Adam. She's going to have to come with substance. Hallelujah. So men, as you are waiting and praying for your Eve, as you're waiting and praying for her, understand that God will call her with substance to help and aid you, but no helper can help you do nothing. If you're doing nothing, how can she help? You must have already, and we'll look at this today, you must have already gotten with God and received a plan for yourself and then also for your family, and then she can aid and assist you in fulfilling the vision that God has given unto you. But she cannot help you do nothing. And this, in many cases, frustrates many Eves. It frustrates them because there is no clear vision set before her. Now, uh, if the family says, okay, we're going to, we're going to um, pay off the debt. Well, that's a vision. Let's all rally behind it, and she'll get behind you and, and prayerfully put the credit cards away and help. And we're going to get out of debt. Hallelujah. If the vision is to save up money, then we're going to rally behind and we're going to do that. If the vision is to um, uh, buy a new home, if the vision, whatever the vision is, if the vision is to start a homeless shelter, if the, whatever God gives you to do, Adam, man of God, whatever he gives you to do, well, she will rally behind you and help you and help support the vision that God has given to you. But she's there to help and assist. This is why Eve was created to be a help meet, to be a wife to Adam. Are you hearing today? So again, let me just say, I want to just make this point clear that Eve... The woman is not inferior to man. It's not inferior. God gave authority over, God gave Adam authority over his wife, and that's still the case today. But it does, the Bible does not give authority, uh, authority over women by men. You say, well, that's why I can't stand a woman pastor. I mean, there should not be any women in leadership anywhere because, you know, God gave authority to the man over the woman. No, that's not correct. He gave authority over the wife by the husband. We need to get that correct. Because if that was the case, then God was mistaken when he called Deborah to rule or to govern or to be a judge over Israel. There, was, there have been so many other, mis, there are so many misconceptions. God does not give authority over the woman by the man. He gives authority over the wife by the authority of the husband. And there is a difference. Hallelujah. Now, let's talk about the differences or, or the stages of manhood. We want to go straight into this. Uh, the, the, there are six stages of manhood, six stages of manhood as we continue to talk about uh, the making of a good man, the making of a good man. So I pray that you'll hear. Now, the first stage in, uh, of, of becoming a man is, of course, being a boy. And the boy is a male child who learns from his father's example. In this stage, manhood will be caught more than taught. He will learn more by seeing than by you saying. He'll learn more by your example. He's learning as a young boy. He's learning to be a man by what he sees his father do. 
If his father is disrespectful to his mother, he's learning to be disrespectful to all women. If his father is honorable toward his mother and loves his mother, he's learning to be honorable and respectful to all women. If his father is lazy, if his father doesn't work, if his father is uh, doing things that are unseemly, then the young boy is learning to do, the, to do that exact same thing. The first stage of being a man or of manhood is that being a boy, and a boy is listening, rather he's watching more. He is, he's learning uh, by what he sees. Manhood is cult more than taught. That's why a man needs to be there, a godly example. Godly example needs to be there. The second stage of the six stages of manhood is that of a young man. A young man is a matured boy. He is learning how to provide for himself, manage and care for himself, discovering his purpose, his role and assignment in this life, he is under the covering of his father until he marries. He continues to learn from the mentorship of his father. He is learning to walk with God through Christ. He has learned the responsibility of the seed. And I'll tell you about that shortly. So a young man, now he's in his, he's in his teens. He's learning how to manage himself, how to take care of himself. Because if he can't manage himself or take care of himself, and if a woman marries him at this stage, she will find herself not being his wife, but being his mother. Because he has not learned yet how to provide, how to protect. He has not fully learned yet. He has not, he's not fully mature. You picked him before he was ripe. Are you hearing the third stage of manhood is that of being a man. A man is a matured young man. He is confident in his assignment and has been working in it. He has been walking with God and is a suitable provider for himself and his family. He stands waiting on the presentation of his wife. Yes, he's already working. He's already providing. He's learned to provide for himself. He knows how to hear from God. He has a relationship with God. And now he stands ready. He's not looking to you to be his sugar mama. He already has income. He already has a place to live. Hallelujah. He already has things together. There's a place already prepared for his wife. Even if it's only a one bedroom apartment, his rent is paid on time. His car is paid on time. He takes care of his affairs. He shows up for work on time. He has already provided a stable environment for himself and for his wife that will soon come under his covering. He's not waiting on her to complete her. Thank you, Mr. McGuire. He's already complete in Christ and is waiting on her. If a woman finds him before he becomes a man, if or should I say, if a wife, woman that longs to be a wife, finds him before he is matured, she will end up, of course, being the financier and the one who has to point and give direction. He is not ready yet. He needs to be, keep her, stay in the ground a little bit longer. Are you understanding? Now, the fourth stage of manhood is that of a husband. That of a husband. A husband is a matured man. He is fully mature and ready to receive a wife. He has been granted the authority to find her, receive her, cover her, and operate in the likeness of Christ toward her. 
Husband, the term husband implies authority. Please understand that. Husband implies authority, meaning I have been granted permission by God the Father to receive you into my home under this covering that God has provided. You are now under my spiritual covering, and God bless the woman who would enter into relation with a man who does not have a covering from God. You would find yourself under a man who does not know God, and then all sorts of attacks are running at you, and you find yourself defenseless uh, and you find yourself fending for yourself fending for yourself wanting the husband's support but he cannot give it to you so he'll simply go back into a cave and won't talk to you because he'll have no answers for you because he has not provided a covering there's more to being a husband than just going and get married Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So now the man, and listen, you must be, hear me men, you must be a husband before you are a husband. That is, you're waiting upon the Lord. You're not going out and doing this and doing that with, with her, with her, with her, with her, with her. You are keeping hours. You say, I've got to be home at a certain time to be there for my wife. I've got to spend time. So therefore, you've adjusted your schedule. You say, but there's nobody there right now. Listen, you're missing the point. You're becoming a husband before you are a husband. You're spending time in prayer for her because God knows who she is and he knows where she is, and you begin to pray for her now, you say, Father, keep her safe. Father, protect her. Father, provide for her. Lord, I cover her in prayer. I ask you to heal her emotionally and spiritually, and thank you, Father, for her, for choosing her for me. You're already praying for her. You're already setting things aside for her. She is going to be the one that God has called to your side to help you. You're all already doing that even before you meet her but to just wait until the day that you get married wait on a piece of paper to tell you you've already missed it you must be that before you become that oh you're hearing one of the major roles of the authority of the husband is providing a covering for her providing a covering for her. The fifth stage of manhood is that of being a father. A father. A father is a matured husband. He is ready to produce a family that will glorify and magnify God and carry on the family vision. Because understand in the very beginning, the man had a vision. And it is the wife that enters in to help him with the vision that God has given unto him. And they too, the, the husband and the wife, now joined together in holy matrimony, now produces seed, now produces children, and the children are raised up under that vision. He is authorized to, under that covering, to produce heirs under that covering. And the last stage, number six, is that of grandfather. Last stage of that of a the stage of manhood or grandfather. Grandfather is a matured father. He strengthens his family line, provides guidance, encouragement, and ensures the passing of inheritance to the third generation. Remember, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. This grandfather strengthens the family line and ensures uh, the passing of inheritance to the third generation. His heart desires, his heart desire and responsibility is to bless the family. He's in position, he's walked with God the longest. 
So he's in position now to release blessings over the family, release blessings over the family. That's his heart's desire is to bless. Bless, I want to bless the family and to be that role model. Now, last thing I want to show you today, and then we're going to close out. As we look at the role of the young man, this is vitally important that I, you really do need to hear this. You say, well, I'm not a man, I, I'm not a man, and uh, I don't have any young men in my house. But young ladies, please understand something. If you're looking to be married, knowing this will help you know who's a boy and who's a man and who's a husband. Knowing what it is will help you find the person. You say, well, I haven't acted like this. I'm a man and I haven't acted like this before. Well, knowing what the appropriate thing is, we can begin to repent now and ask God to help us to walk as a good man. Are you hearing? Let's talk about, just briefly, let's talk about the responsibility of the seed. The responsibility of the seed. This is vitally important in our culture today. And I want you to hear this. I'll go through this. Genesis 38, verses 6 through 10. Genesis 38, verses 6 through 10. This is not necessarily a PG scripture, so I'll walk through it with, with as much, much respect as I can. But this needs to be said. Genesis 38, verses 6 through 10 out of the New Living Translation, and this is how it reads. In the course of time, uh, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ir, to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Ir, or Ur, should I say Ur, was a wicked man in the Lord's sight, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Ur's brother Onan, go and marry Tamar, as our law requires of the, of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. But Onan was not willing to have a child who would not be his own heir. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground. This prevented her from having a child who would belong to his brother. But the Lord considered it evil for Onan to deny a child to his dead brother. So the Lord took Onan's life too. Why is this important? Because inside of every man you carry DNA, you carry your ancestry. We may not think we are all of that or not that much, but in the eyes of God, if you could only see what it took for him to get you here. God works through families and he works through generations. When he wants to give, when he wants to give a blessing or release a blessing in the earth, he raises up a family line. That's why he raised up Abraham and, and Isaac and, and, and Jacob. He raises up a family line. He crafts the DNA of different families to produce an answer for that particular generation. It's all within the seed. It's all within the seed. And so the father, you know, you notice that in different families, there may be a family full of preachers and there may be a family full of musicians. They're all singers and, and different family lines. God will work within different family lines to produce an answer for that generation. And unless you understand who you are and who you carry within you, you go out and squander what God has given unto you. You must understand who you are and why you are here. The Lord told me a long time ago, and I did a little research on myself. 
And I understand that I am the second son of the second son of the second son. Preachers are in my family line, but they did not travel. Many of the second sons denied the call. My father denied the call. But I am the second son that will heed to the call, that has heeded to the call, and I understand the destiny that God has given unto me to speak to the nations, to declare what thus saith the Lord. Inside of you, man, you carry the DNA of greatness. Inside of you, you carry princes and kings and queens and senators and doctors and, and lawyers and scientists. You carry those that would have the cure for cancer. You carry those that would have the, the cure for, for global warming. Inside of you, you hold destiny. Now because of that, the devil despises you and he will do whatever he can to rob you of the opportunity. And so he'll give you alternatives. He'll say, well, it's not all that. He'll give you many opportunities to go and sow your seed. Just like Onan here, you can have pleasure without responsibility. That's wrong. Because God, it took a lot for him to get you here. And the only righteous place that you have to sow a seed is within the womb of the Eve that God has given unto you. It's not popular, but it is correct. Because God placed you in the earth as an answer. And your Eve carries the DNA. She carries the physical form that, will, that you will need to give life to that God will bring up that will bless a nation. Glory to the Lamb of God. So I tell you, you must be watchful over what you have. And it is good and very good that you do not participate in intercourse until you have found your Eve, the one that God has sent to you. Before I met my wife, and we've been married now for almost 30 years, I was praying for her long before I met her. What I'm telling you now is not something I read in a book, but something that God has revealed to me over many years. And I know this is to be true. I know it's true. I could feel her hand in mine as I prayed long before I met her. I would rise up in the morning and I would seek the face of God as the Holy Spirit gave me witness. And as I would pray for her, I could feel her hand in mind. And I pray vehemently for her, wherever she was and, and whatever she was doing, that God would bless her. And on the appropriate day, of course, I was working. I was in the courthouse where I was working. And when she walked into the room, the whole room lit up. It lit slap up. It was as if I heard angels singing, it was the father telling me with the big spotlight that's the one that's the one that's the one well I had already met her in the spirit but I had not met her in the natural so when she appeared in the natural my spirit leaped within me oh you're the one and of course I go and make a fool out of myself trying to impress a pretty girl. Thank God for the patience of Eve because she needed it. Finally, after I settled down, many months later, we got married. But before I received her as wife, I sought the Lord. Is this the one? Even with the signs, is this the one? And the father confirmed to me, yes, she is the one that has the appropriate DNA. She is the one 
that I have called to be with you. And it was in that union that children are born. When both husband and wife are committed to Christ, under the covering of Christ, that produces children in a loving home, in a loving atmosphere where heaven is revealed. You say, it sounds like a fairy tale. No, it's actually called the kingdom of God. You say, I have not been there and I, 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 haven't, I, haven't, I haven't done that. Well, then we cannot change the past. Now, I'm not asking you to change the past. All we can do is start from where we are and move forward. Have I made mistakes? Of course. Just ask my wife. You're not going to go through life without making mistakes. The man that does not make a mistake is a man who does not try. But as long as you try, you're going to make a mistake. But the father is faithful who will make all things work together for the good of them who love him and are called according to his purpose. All I'm telling you today is that you need to understand who you are and what you have. And dear sisters, dear daughters, let me tell you this as well. Please do not allow yourself to incubate or to produce a child of a fool. Because if you produce the child of a fool, you will have heartache for a while until the day that that child is covered. Do not allow yourself to receive Women are receivers. Understand every time you lay down, as, as the world says, if you lay down with a dog, you get up with fleas. Do not allow yourself to lay down with paupers and think that one day you're gonna raise up a king. If it looks like a frog and you kiss it, all you're gonna get is warts. Ask God for your Adam. Ask him for your Adam and wait on him. Wait on him. Because Adam is looking for his wife. And if you are not a wife, when he appears, he will not recognize you. Because the Adam calls it like it is. She shall be called woman. The word woman then interprets wife. She shall be called woman. And he goes on and says, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and, be, and cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. God has designed Adam to call it like it is. To recognize the Eve when she's brought into his life. We can't change the past. And God help us. We should have no desire to, but we should move from where we are to go forward. So let us pray together. As brothers and sisters, let us pray together. And let us ask the Father for his mercy and grace and receive of him. And those of you young men that are right now watching and fathers that are right now watching, fathers over small children that are right now watching, Please take these things to heart. And of course, these are not everything that I've given to you, but it's a good place to start. So let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring before you your sons, your daughters. I bring before you, Father, the Adam and the Eves that you have created. And Lord, we are created new and afresh in Christ Jesus. We declare all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Lord, we confess that we, we have messed up. We have, we have missed it. We have, fallen, we have fallen short. We have not always been. We have not been the good man. We have not been the good woman. We have not done things appropriately in our lives. 
And Lord, we ask that the blood of Jesus Christ, your son, would cleanse us from the sins of the past and help us to move forward from where we are to be the people of destiny that you've called us to be. Father, I pray that today may sons and daughters be raised up to be kings and queens. Father, I pray today that men would be raised up, that fathers be raised up, that grandfathers would be raised up, that legacy would begin today, and that a revolution would begin that would shake the world. That once again our families would be covered by the blood of Jesus that fathers be brought back home in relation with their children, no matter how long they've been estranged. Father, we pray that the heart of the father would be drawn right back to the children. No matter how old the children are, they may be grown and gone. But Father, I pray that you would give this father wisdom to speak to his children and bless them. Father, I pray for those that are, have not reached adulthood. Father, I pray that you would give them the strength and the grace to fight against the evils of this generation who say everything opposite to what your, what your word declares. Father, I pray grace upon your people and blessings upon the man. Blessings upon the woman. Blessings upon the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends. We'll see you again next week. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. And there you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.